What did you do this weekend? I, I went back home. I just came back home before. Yeah, how'd that I think I saw, were you with John Keith? Like, yeah, I saw some of those pictures. Hey. That was really fun. Yeah. How are you? Good. How was your trip? I had a great time. Are you going to show us some pics? Uh, probably on Thursday. Oh, today's past. It's every minute. Including opening with a concert by you two. Pull out mere Christianity. Pull out essentially mere Christianity. That handout. Keep going with the concert, unless your computer or phone, <laughs> unless your computer or phone is looking up the lyrics to this or doing something with philosophy. Oh sure. Don't let it distract you right now. I want to share a few thoughts on this as a devotional thought, actually. Bono, you heard from? Huh? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's YouTube. Bono, as you heard from the Brother Ben story, self-proclaimed Christian, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right, he's there. He's in. And it's not even that subtle if you look at the lyrics and you look at him as a person. I mean, come on, what are the rock star as a as a life goal wants to end poverty on planet Earth? Anybody? Any takers? And by the way, that's an actual real goal that he has. Before he dies, he wants to end stupid poverty, right? And it's not that the people are stupid; it's that the poverty is stupid. All we have to do is share, and people don't have to die 
right? You don't even have to sacrifice. If we just shared, poverty could end. But we could do this, right? And so Bono's like, come on, let's do this. And actually, after a few CDs are under his belt, he and his young wife fly down to Ethiopia for the famine, and they go see, nice, and they go, uh, they go see people giving out food to people who are dying and sharing medicines with people who are dying. And he's down there with his wife, and he's like, wait, this, this is ridiculous. God, if I have any sense of fame, please make sure that I use fame for that. Otherwise, fame is ridiculous. And Bono's famous for saying fame is ridiculous unless you use it. And he uses it to end, end poverty. Which is pretty sweet, right? What? He's, this is so cool. So here he is, and he, he says, he starts, he, there's this day where he's watching people who have walked for days, days, they've walked for days to get food and medicine. Down streets that don't have street signs on them. There's no names there. You're not going to use your GPS there to navigate life. And so he says, I want to go there with who? With you guys. Let's all go down there and deal with this. And by the way, bro, man, you coming in for a little philosophy today? Ah, you missed it. I did? But we actually, you missed only Wood but maybe we'll show it. Not today. Maybe Thursday. Yeah, this is so good. Come on, Broman. Right there. This guy knows how to dance, by the way. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> Come on, right now, dance off. Let's go. No. Yeah, exactly. See, right there. There you go. Laugh, laugh, laugh some more. I do squirt the pugs right there. Oh, he doesn't mess around. Okay, so, Bono. So Bono here writes this song where the streets have no name and the subtext is in heaven when the streets are paved with gold. Do we care about the names on the streets there? Probably aren't. And I want to go there with you there as well. So let's all end poverty and let's all go to heaven. How's that sound? Good idea? Yeah, so that's the opening song of this concert. I, was, I didn't go to this one, but I was at this tour. Thank you. Thank you. Uh huh, uh huh. So then the second song is this. MLK. Some of you will recognize it. Martin Luther King. Right? It's a ballad in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. who gave his life for racial reconciliation and equality. Beautiful song. out at this concert. Hey, let's all go in poverty. And by the way, let's go to heaven while we're at it. Anybody want to come? I want to go there with you. And, and then how about this? In the meantime, let's also uh, deal with racial inequality. How's that sound? Let's take this dream. But yeah, we ended slavery, but we didn't end, end the race issue. So let's, while we're alive, let's let this guy sleep in peace. Because he's going to know that this dream is realized and actualized. Thank you. Appreciate the pass. Which again, I'm not here to get you to like you too. I don't, whatever. You don't have to like the songs. You don't have to like their band. But that's pretty powerful stuff. To open your concerts with this. Right? 
Uh, this is our this is our poetry journal, our literary journal. If the clouds are full of water, it will rain on the earth. And Bono's like, if the thunder clouds are filled, let's let it rain, rain down here, right? Hey, Marcus. Yeah, great. Take it. Go team. All right. I want to see who gets it. Who gets it first? Let me know. Raise your hand if you got the song. The next song, okay? All right. Let's see. Birch, you got it. Four, two. We got it. We got it. Marcus. Yeah. What? All right. Good song. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. Now, raise your hand if you've heard that song before, with or without you. You're a bunch of 18-year-olds, 25 years later, and you still know this song. Like, I think Zeppelin is the one from the 70s that we still know, right? But it's interesting to think, like, what songs last? It's crazy. I checked. This song is still on the radio. <laughs> like, what? How many years later is this song? Now, you've got this, like, rock, epic, woo, window, without you, right? And then you get this this great beautiful ballad, and then what's this song? This is a it's a love song. Everybody got it? It's a love song. So great way to start the concert. Like okay, cool. And he wants to end poverty and invite people to heaven. If you don't think the heaven thing is part of that song, he actually wrote about it in his biography, like autobiography and biography. It's in there that that song is about poverty and heaven and other things. But check this out. I have a uh, a version of a concert that was live. Let's make sure we're not distracting ourselves and others. Are we all good? Are we in? We're good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah, sorry. Good, okay. So ready? There's an actual set where they open the concert with Bad, which is this amazing song about freedom and forgiveness. And then they go to Where the Streets Have No Name, and then they sing Psalm 40, which is 40, is Psalm 40. It's a direct quote from the Bible, right? But between bad and where the streets have no name, you can hear Bono saying, I've got it on my computer. I want to give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me. I want to give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me. I offer you the cup of salvation with a toast to my father. And then there's something about some beginnings and doing this together. I forget that last line. I'm like, what? <laughs> that That's not covert. Like that's saying in this song I want to offer you salvation like I want to go there with you. Right? So, just so you're aware like Bono says this stuff Streets have no name. Let's end poverty let's go to heaven let's have racial, racial reconciliation and how about a love song? Okay, I guess it's a concert. So now we, we downshift into the love song. Now wait a second how about we'll do this. Ready? I'll go home tonight and sing this love song to my wife. Won't that be cute? Right? Ready? Here's what I'll sing to her. Hey, Jen, I can't live with you. I can't live with you. That's awkward. Should I be singing that to my wife? I can't live with you. How about this, though? I can't live without you. I'm codependent and have no identity of my own. Is that romantic? Ladies, you want someone to sing to you? I can't live without you? Like, creeper, what the heck, right? So wait a second though, is it a love song? Is it a love song? Guys, I don't recommend singing this to your girlfriend. I can't live with you. First off, you're not getting real far there. Second off, right, I can't live without you. Ladies, is that attractive? No. Thank you, no. <laughs> right, so what's the, this is like a Sting's 
<laughs> Every breath you take. I'll be watching you like, get off my freaking back, creep, right? And both of those songs are famous because they're sublime. And because Stings is not about a girl, right? And neither is Bono's. Here's the thing. Oh, we'll get there later, right? Um, sorry. But I like to focus on this one right now. Okay, I can't live with or without you. And here's where I think we understand this beautiful paradox. Bono did his homework. I believe Bono read Mere Christianity and then he had a midterm and he was told to do a creative project. Thanks. And so then he sang a song and it's really, really famous. Oh, yeah. And it's right out of Mere Christianity. Go to the back of your packet if you want to. Or go to page 31. Page 31. And we get to premise number five. Now before that, premise number four is there's something directing the universe that's an actual being. And then he says in premise number five of the argument, here's the fix. If the universe is not governed by goodness, absolute goodness, we're hopeless. If it is, every day I'm making myself an enemy to that goodness because am I perfectly good? No. So, ready? If I, it's perfectly good and I'm not perfectly good, can I live with that God? I can't live with that God. By the way, that's why we're on earth. I can't live with that God. And ready? Everybody try to. Try to live without God, a perfect God. And if you're an atheist, have a ball for about 50 or 60 years. Going to live much longer than that? No. Let alone chop God out, chop out objective meaning, chop out a love song, a God of love. And what kind of life are you going to end up with, Solomon? Absurd ridiculous life. So, can we live without a God of love who is personal? Can we really live without that? Maybe for 60 years, and it'll suck by the end of it. Right? So we can't live without God. And by the way, can you and I, as imperfect beings, live and dwell with a perfectly holy being? Can we? No. And by the way, if that relationship is not embedded and infused with love what's the point anyways right and so here Bono genius basically and this is why we're doing this right after paradoxes of Christianity right paradoxes of Christianity leads us into mere, mere Christianity book one which the conclusion is a paradox I can't live with a perfect God and I can't live without this perfect God I'm what I'm stuck. And I love it because in the song, this is why Bono's a genius, does he cutely, like, cutely wrap up the tension in that song? No, it's just, ah, we're going to finish it later. He's like, ah, okay. You know, like, we can't live with you, we can't live without you. Suck. <laughs> All right? And there you go. Well, bye. And I, I appreciate and respect the sublimity of that. Like, he just sings about the paradox, which is great. And is it a paradox? Yep. Where do we find the resolution of the paradox? Book two. Does that make sense? And in book two, you bring in Jesus, and you have this personal God who is loving, who also makes you perfect. Ah, so now I can live with you. Awesome. Yeah? Go team. Thank you, Bana. There's our devotional thought for today. I, I like it. Here's what I want to offer you. We're going to spend about half an hour on this argument. Some of you will hate it. 
Some of you will think it's boring and annoying because it's just pure logic and philosophy. That's all it is. It's not that exciting on some level, which is fine. You don't have to like it. You can check out. What I'd like you to at least take with you then is to go check out of Lewis, check into Bono, and connect with that song. Because this song gives us the conclusion of the argument, which is this tension between I can't live with a perfect God and I can't live without a perfect God. Thank you, Bono, for doing your homework for Mr. D's class. Right. And he, he powerfully, creatively captures the tension there. You good? All right. That's my devotional thought. Let's pray. We're going to take a step back and process the weekend, and then we'll, uh, we'll do the argument. We'll have a half an hour. It's perfect. We've got a half an hour left in the day. So let's pray together. Lord, thanks for bringing us back here. Thanks for Bono and his creativity. Thanks for Lewis and this book. Thanks for Val Gregerson and her willingness to share her heart with the school today. Your heart with the school today. I ask you to help me to teach clearly. Bless our, our conversation today. Thanks for this school where we get to talk about this stuff. Amen. Here we go. Got a half an hour. We're just going to crank it out. Real quick. I heard, thank you, I heard from the sub, things went fine. Right? And, and did they? Yeah, did they go well? I don't know about your perspective. Had a nice reading day. How was that documentary? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Good? Medium or up? Or okay. I mean, it's at least interesting. What I hope you caught from it from a secular perspective is Lord of the Rings more than just a fantasy story. Yeah, so even just the secular people will acknowledge that and make documentaries about it. National Geographic, they don't mess around, right? Let alone we take that truth and then embed the fact that Tolkien's a Christian and this is loaded dice in regards to metaphor and meaning and journey and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is where we're going to go. Okay, this week's Mere Christianity. Big, long weekend to do your project. Great divorce, November 10th. Lord of the Rings, we're in. Okay? questions? All right. Here we go. Grab the packet. Uh, I want your book next to you. Let's take literally six minutes to go through the argument with a few questions, so maybe ten. Are we this in? Yes and no. We'll get to that a little later. That was more for a personal, uh, personal stuff. I mean, I guess I can do it before. I had two extra books. Are they being used? They say wah on them. They must have been used. Everybody go to the back of the packet. I'd like you to do that at the very least. Okay? And on the back of the packet, it's premise by premise, the logical argument. Now, you guys are not aware of this, so feel free to give me some feedback. Um, but I've thought it a certain way for 13 years, and I'm switching it up this year. Because what I normally do is Brother Ben's story paradoxes, look at the whole packet on theism, and then do a little bit on C.S. Lewis biography, and then I Love You and Buddha 2, and then Logical Argument, and then Book 2. And what I'm doing is Chesterton, Book 2, and then a little bit on theism, and then Lewis, and then, excuse me, Book 1, and then a little bit on theism, Lewis, and Book 2. I'm, I'm shifting it. If it works, let me know. If it does, if you don't, if you don't really, you know, you won't know the difference. Lily might know the difference, right? But shifting it up a little bit. I like the way it's Great, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I like putting this right after paradoxes. I think that fits well. It's kind of like I want to get us into theism and then talk about Christian theism. 
Yeah. yeah. So I love you and Buddha too. Kind of had us dipping in that direction. Now we're gonna go back. So here we go. Ready? Where do you guys want to pretend? Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, Spiazza. Where are we? White Castle. Oh, oh, you can't have a conversation. Who's this guy? Oh, my house. I just grew up on you. Mm. Oh, That's fine. We're at White Castle, I guess. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Like, 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 Set argument in six or seven minutes. You're sitting at White Starbucks Castle, right? Or no, you're sitting at Starbucks Castle or Las Piazza Box, all right? And do you have a sense of morality? And here's here's how it opens. Hey, should I? Is it okay for me to go up there and steal from the people buying the register? Is it? No. No. Uh, is it okay for me to steal? Uh, in the room, is it okay for me to steal? No. You guys say no, you're in, done, we're already in. It, it doesn't matter what your morality is. You could be an atheist with morality, a Buddhist with morality, a dualist with morality. We're not talking about relative or not morality. How many people out of a thousand can you engage in this conversation with? What people on planet Earth have a sense of morality? Almost everybody, 999 out of a thousand will say lying is wrong, stealing is wrong, murdering, well, here it's wrong and here it's not. Like, but they're going to have a sense of right and wrong. In? Okay, hey, everybody at Starbucks, what should we do, the right or the wrong? Right. Really? We should do what's right? Again, who's still in the argument? 999 people are still in the argument. We're still there. So you know right and wrong. We ought to do what? We ought to do right. Ready? Everybody at, at Starbucks Castle, Spiazza, do you, and this is a real question, do you always do what's right? What you know you should do? No. No? You just admitted you're not perfect. That's huge, actually, later. You know you should behave a certain way, and you don't always do it. And ready? Who's still in the argument? I want to know, hands in this classroom, how many people in here will admit that they always do what they should? How many people know somebody who says that they do that? Anybody? I had a girl last year, a girl last year who said, my uncle believes that he's never done something wrong. I'm like, how is it, what's it like to live with that guy? Oh my gosh, right? But he, she's like, he actually believes he never does wrong. I'm like, okay, there's one. There's your one out of a thousand. Anybody? I saw a hand up here. You met somebody? Yeah. Just someone I know. Yeah, there was a, someone in the last class who said he had friends with two duelists, and the duelists are like, we... There is no right or wrong. I'm like, okay, uh, whatever. Most people are, have a sense of right and wrong, and most people will acknowledge that they, ne they never do everything they should. We're good? Okay, premise number three, and this is where I got to kind of, ready? And, ah, huge step. Now, this is a big one, so we'll back up. We'll get there. But if you have a sense of right and wrong, you should always do what's right. You don't always do what's right. Where did you get your sense of right or wrong? And basically what you're saying is, is your sense of right and wrong relative or objective? Now, we've already spent time on this. But here's the scoop. If you and I make up our sense of right and wrong, why will that not work? Here's where Lewis catches everybody. If you get some 999 people in the argument, 999 are going to end up at an objective God. They will. 
This argument's amazing. The only way to get off of that train is around premise number three, you have to jump off the train, which means you actually believe that there's no morality. What's the problem with jumping off the train and saying there's no morality? You started with what? There is morality. So Lewis, this is why this is so brilliant. It forces you to deal with it. You are either not going to completely chuck your morality and say there is no morality, or you're going to end up at a God. Period. A perfect God. It's amazing. <laughs> right? And why will you have to chuck your morality? If you say, well, I just make up my own rules, then why do you have a sense of ought? Where did it come from? You fabricated a sense of guilt to make you compelled to do good? That's what? No offense to you, but that's silly. Why do you have a sense of ought if you just made up your own rules? But you already said you have a sense of ought. Where did it come from? You made up that too? That's now what? Ridiculous. <laughs> well, if, if we make them up as a group, fine. Why do you have a sense of ought? Where did that come from? Because of uh, avoiding negative consequences? Okay, that's not real morality. That's fear and consequence. <laughs> Your sense of ought, again, is now ridiculous. The only way to have a true morality with a true sense of ought is it has to be objective, not made up by humans. Does that make sense? As much as it can right now? We'll get back to that, but that's, that's, number, that's premise number three. Morality, to have an actual sense of ought and to be real, needs to be from outside of humanity. Yes? Is that connected to him saying that like, we think cancer is bad, so exactly. we Exactly. And at that point, what's, what's up with morality there? Yeah. It's it, morality is ridiculous. Nice job. Oh, that's that cool. So, yeah. is that kind of. Sorry, I don't know. I, like, I kind of had this argument like, just over the summer now, so I'm just wondering, like, how could that not be? That's chapter two. That's called the conventional argument. That's fine. But, okay, say it's all passed on. Why do you have a sense of ought to it? Because, like, what you do, that's how it survives. Oh, yeah, that's how it survives. Fine. Do you have to do it? Is it real morality? No, it's just some objective thing that, that you call objective that's really not objective that you're doing out of tradition. Can you break that? Kind of ball. Do whatever you want. You're just going to do what people tell you to do? Go ahead, I'm not. <coughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. That's we'll get there. But, like, that's not a real sense of morality. That's just some traditional sense of morality that you now feel guilty because people try to make you feel guilty. Well, because, like, that's because, like, what you said was that, like, <coughs> that's, that's the best way that humans survive. Exactly. That's why I do it. Yeah. And and it's, it's so easy to nail that one with uh, the word better. We'll get there in a second. Right? We'll get there in a second. Yeah. If we make it up, if we just trust onto us, it's absurd. Your sense of ought is ridiculous, and morality is absurd. It's not real morality. It must come from something outside of humans. Ready? If it's outside of humanity, uh, imagine a chunk of rock telling you what to do. Here we go. Here's the tablets of stone. Don't steal. Are you going to listen to a chunk of rock? Again, if you want to, do you, where's your sense of ought? I ought to listen to this rock. That's that's crazy, right? So I ought to listen to a rock. How about this? This sense of morality comes from the amorphous ideal. Why are you listening to some amorphous ideal with no personality? What are you doing? Do you have to? Again, your sense of ought becomes ridiculous. 
The only way your sense of ought and that morality can work in this sense is it has to be a being with authority, right? Otherwise, it's still relative and or ridiculous. At this point, you have a being. So ready? Is it, a, is, is it an amorphous blob or just an idea? No, idealism gone. Is it relative? No, materialism is gone, right? Is it sheer perspective? No, dualism is gone. It's got to be objective, and we just got rid of, in four minutes, all of the other worldviews. So now we have an objective being who's making the rules. This being better be good, right? Otherwise, why follow the being? If the being's not good, why follow it? And that one doesn't even work anyways. If the being's not good, but it's defining morality, what is not good? There you go. Alright, so it's better be a good being. How good? How good? Perfectly good. Otherwise, why follow it? And by the way, a god that's not perfectly good, is that a god? That's weird. Like, go sign up for Zeus if you want that. Yes? If we can so easily write off all the different worldviews, then why does this I know. I agree. Great point. Thank you, Lewis. So we're doing it in, uh, it might take six minutes. <laughs> Alright? And so here we go. Ready? This god who makes the rules, is perfectly good. If he's perfectly good, he better what? Care, because ready? If he doesn't care, do we need to care? No. Oh, crap. What did we just acknowledge? Are you God? Are you perfect? Is there a God who is perfect? And does that God care about your behavior? How much? Perfectly. No wonder we're at least on earth and maybe should be where? In hell. Ah! We're there without you again. Then we're done. That's, and there we go. It, literally, it took seven minutes. And, and your question is Romans chapter 1. Paul says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. That was a choice, not an accident. And human beings all over the world are without excuse. Period. Now, I'm not trying to be facetious in my voice and tone, but I get frustrated with people who say, like, Oh my gosh, but what about the people on the island who never heard Jesus and they never had a Bible? That's not fair for God to send them to hell. You guys, you're 18. It took us seven minutes. If people stop and think, can they get here? Now, that sounds rude. I know it does. But what's so sad is, are you God? No, you're not God. Is there real morality? Yes, there's real morality. It can't be made up by us, otherwise it's relative. We can see this stuff, but we don't choose to trust it or believe it. And therefore, that's whose fault? That's our fault. Fair enough? And so it's interesting. Watch where the people on the remote island who never had the... By the way, we have not talked about Jesus or the Bible yet. Guess where they can get to? The person on the remote island is, I'm not God. We have a sense of right and wrong. I ought to do what's right. Where did I get that sense? It better be a being and not a chunk of rock. If it's a being, you better really care. Oh my gosh, there's this being who made the rules and has to be perfect, and I'm not perfect. I've already admitted that. Ah, help! Now that's book two. Book two is, but end of book one is, help! Right? By the way, if a person on a remote island gets to that place and they say, Help whatever you are. What will the whatever you are say to that person? Okay. Um, I died for you 2,000 years ago. Happy to help. Come on in. Right? Sweet. 
Jesus saved that person because that person asked God for help. And did Jesus offer that help? Yeah, sweet. Go team. Ready? Done. Actually, we added in the gospel, and that took 10 minutes. 10 minutes of your life at White Castle. And everybody is without excuse. Yeah, no, okay, so, so that's the argument. Real quick, before we go, let's do this then. Ready? Ready? Now we're at Star Donuts. Dunkin' Bucks. All right? Ready? Let's do it real quick. We're going to do it in 60 seconds, maybe 90. Ready? Can I steal? Wait, no? So I ought to behave a certain way? I ought to not steal? Yeah. By the way, I ought to behave a certain way. Do you always do what you should? No, you don't always do what you should. Where do you get your sense of real wrong and ought? Well, I just made it up. Well, that doesn't work. Your sense of ought is ridiculous at that point. Morality is kind of lame if we just make it up because our sense of ought and our sense of obligation to it becomes null and void. If we just made it up, we can make up whatever we want. <gasps> it must come from outside of human beings. Well, where did it come from? Probably not a chunk of rock and probably not some amorphous idea. It better be a being. Otherwise, do we need to care about it. No, and if it's a being, what kind of a being would it be? A really good one. How good? Perfectly good. Oh my gosh, there's a perfectly good idea. Excuse me, there's a perfectly good being who made up right and wrong. And, oh, oh my gosh, it must care. Because would it be good if it didn't care? Oh my gosh, shoot. It cares about my behavior. It knows my behavior. And I know I should behave that way. Ah, help! Done. About 60 seconds. I have a question, but no offense. Yeah, but well, no, this is why uh, we're here. Say if, as you said, if anyone who, even the person who never heard about God, can figure it out, mm -hmm. so why we need Great Commission? I think that's great. I, that's not an offensive question. That's probably one of the best questions you could ask in this scenario, I think. Why be a missionary? Why go tell people about Jesus? And by the way, isn't it nice to know you're covered by grace? If I can introduce you not to just the knowledge of God, but introduce you to who? God. Actual personal God who talks to you and helps you guide your life and empowers you with the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't that be better than not knowing that? Yeah, life is way better with God. I hope, right? Isn't Christianity a great way to live? If it's not, you might want to check your version of Christianity. Does that make sense? Like, this is worth spreading. This is good news. Think about the people in Tibet who hadn't heard it yet. And they're like, <gasps> What? God will make me perfect? Thanks so much for telling me. It's really, really nice to know. Even just that, it's like, isn't Grace awesome? Now, you were waiting, and you were waiting. Did we get your, did we get your question? I just asked a while ago why other people... Oh, yeah, and I didn't really answer that, but does that kind of make more sense now? And then you had a thought. Uh, so then, like, given the person on the remote island that's like, yeah. oh, so like, they're not about Jesus though or like them being saved why wouldn't they just be like screw you like what are you doing for me they might be but I actually a lot of people have found that they have a really good relationship with this being and God does take care of them and he is personal and makes himself known through creation through general and All specific revelation huh general and specific exactly there's other there's other ways that God reveals himself and could he talk to them and uh oh but what if they don't use that name yeah. If they don't say the name, oh no, and guess what? Would it be fair for me to give you a math test and put something on the test that we never talked about? But would, is it fair? How's, how's it feel? 
It's not just, is it? And is God just? So he will hold you accountable for what? The information you have. And what information do we have, all of us, those of you who, who can think rationally? There you go. So let's get there. Does that make sense? Yeah. It actually says in the Paul says in the Bible that they are a law unto themselves. Right? Paul reveals that in the Old and New Testament we see that the law that you create is the law that you have from within. And do you even keep that? That's the irony about this. Do atheists even keep their own moral code? <laughs> okay, like sorry, I'm not laughing at them. I'm just saying, see, even people who don't believe in God know they're not perfect. God, right? Yes. Um, this is going back to dualism a little bit. Yeah. Um, I I had a thought. Why is it so hard for some people to accept um, as a dualist that someone else could view their perfection? <coughs> like you were talking about how. Like, it's kind of a relief for some of them, but I've had people that go to, you know, those kind of areas and are missionaries. Yep. And a lot of people say, sorry, but no thanks. No thanks, because we like our religion and we like to think we can do it on our own. And this is Brother Ben getting knocked to his knees on the mountain. And what was the operative word there? Submission. Does that make sense? A lot of us don't want to submit to this authority, really. And sometimes, too, it's just like, it's, it's weird that some of them think it's too ridiculous to have perfection yeah. handed to you. I agree. And there's something to be said for this. It's an odd story. I mean, it really is an odd story. We believe it's the true story. I really do believe it's the true story. But it's, it's still weird. It's, I'd call it fantasy. I wouldn't call it history class. I would call it fantasy class. <laughs> like The history that we are a part of in the Bible is weird. <laughs> like It's a weird... It's got nothing on the Iliad and the Odyssey, if you really want to get down to it. Does that make sense? So, it's odd. I think what you're really offering is substitutionary atonement. That's the key. Is someone else will make you clean. Why? That's that's the bargaining chip. Okay. And some people don't want that. They want to do it on themselves, or they just don't, they don't want to trust it. That, that I'm putting all my chips in that basket, then, aren't I? I'm trusting that God's saved for me and is saving me and died for me. I hope He really did, because if He didn't, I'm back to being screwed, right? So I, yeah, it's all. That's why I like to say evangelism. If you're going to be a missionary, it's all about trust. And the only way you're going to convert people is to have them shift their trust. And it better be really trustworthy. You better be trustworthy. This story better be trustworthy. It better make sense. And I think what Lewis does for here is whether or not you like it, he helps us see that it makes rational sense too, doesn't it? Like it's not just some fantasy story. This is a very rational, logical argument. Now there's some loopholes. We'll deal with them. But does, does it make sense in a five-minute conversation? It actually does. Now, I, I'm being a little facetious... Uh, and maybe I should be kinder and say this getting to this on your own is actually pretty complex right? Like it takes some very deep honesty like I am not God I really am perfect I don't really trust moral relativity like you know like that yeah and so that's where we have the chapters and we go chapter by chapter shall we sorry yeah this is why we're here I'm going to send it to him I was going to send it to him for Christmas, but that's not fair. I'll send it to him for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Here's a Christmas present when you don't believe in Christ, so I, I won't do that. But I am saying I'm going to send him my packet and the book. He said he asked for it. So I said, "Have you read it?" And he said, "No." I'm like, "Okay, would you like it?" Yeah. Sure. I'd like, love to hear what he says. I, me too. I can't wait to hear what he says. Because guess what? Has Hitchens talked about it? How about Dawkins? How about Hawking? How about Sam Harris? No, 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 no. Nobody's talking about this argument. 
They'll bash the Lord Liar Lunatic thing all they want, kick that horse while it's down. That's fine. But they don't talk about this. Because they haven't read it? Or just because they can't? Both, right? I know that Hitchens has read this. And he chooses to talk about book two. This is book one. It's the first 30 pages. Are we tracking on that? And yes, I am recording and I'm calling them all out, calling you out. Somebody send me something that bashes this, please. Right? Like, because it's really good, isn't it? It's really solid and, and awkward. The only way off the train is to do what? Ah, like, relativity, like absurdity. And not a lot of people want to do that. They really don't want to acknowledge that. So ready? Let's, let's do this then. Take a few minutes. We'll, we'll kind of open it up for questions, and we don't take a ton of time on this. So like, I used to, if you want to get the podcast from four years ago where I spent four days on this, you can go listen to those. I just like this argument way too much, and so I would drag all my students through it, and I'm like, I won't do that to you. Right? Like, I used to make everybody memorize it, and all that, whatever. Here it is. Take it or leave it. Right? A couple quick things. If you want to go to book chapter one, take a few notes. If on here you want to take a few notes, there are two loopholes. And ironically, nobody else has given them to us. The Christians found the loopholes. <laughs> so here they are. Two loopholes. First loophole is if you don't trust logic, then will this work? No, it's math. But ready? Who's across the table? People who don't trust logic. Not ready? Here's the, the irony of that. Huh? Exactly. That's chapter two, isn't it? I know. See, they're building off each other. But ready? Christians will acknowledge that humans are depraved and is logic and rationality part of your humanity. So could it be what? So could this be a depraved logical argument? Could it? Okay. Great. Fine. I, I accept that. But ready? What you're basically telling me is that I don't trust math. How many people that you're sitting across from at White Castle don't trust math? They don't have logic and reason on their trust list. Huh? Yeah. Sorry. I haven't had all Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we have some we have some people. It's very few. So now we're down to nine hundred and ninety five people. We don't have to guess. Ready? Who's in AP psych? Who's in AP psych? Anybody? AP psych? Who's in regular psych? Regular psych? Okay, who just knows a little bit about psychology? What do you call diagnostically a person who has no conscience? Sociopath. Sociopath, right? This argument will not work on a sociopath, and you can guess why. The sociopath has an internal morality system where it's completely internal. So do they feel remorse when they do what we would call evil? No. They, they're not connected to reality, and so they have this internal, like, murdering is fine, and I like it. And you can't have a rational argument with it about them, right? This won't work. So next time you're in a conversation with a sociopath, don't use mere Christianity. Don't go near that. And ironically, that, that's the whole irony of this, where Chesterton chapter 2, the maniac, is talking about that exact issue. Right? Same with suicide of thoughts. Thought. Yeah, he'll, ready? he'll take care of that. I, I, I can't. I don't have the means to. He'll take care of that. He will hold them accountable to what they had available. And if they, if they have had some trauma in their life that has shifted that in their brain, he'll hold them accountable. Right? He'll take care of like with the babies. Like, if there's no babies in heaven, what the heck kind of God are you believing in? Wait, there's no babies right? in heaven? No. Like, if. Come on. Pay, pay attention. Pay attention. If there's no, so, of course, there's babies in heaven, but did they choose God? I, whatever. Are you kidding me? 
If they're not there, it'll make sense that we're there, but not here, I guarantee you. And if they are there, duh, right? Like, yeah. We don't need to worry about that. But ready? Can you think rationally in this classroom? Can you make real choices? Okay, done. You're all in the argument. There we go. Let's go to chapter one. I like this. In chapter one, are there any questions from chapter one? It's on that page here. First page. Any questions from the book or from here? Because we'll go on to chapter two. Which is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's what I like. I got, can I do a three-minute quick story? It's going to be way too short. This is really fun. It goes off of the quote on page four, and it deals with the relativity issue. This is a true story six or seven years ago. I got invited to a Super Bowl party. It was a secular Super Bowl party. Right? So I'm like the token Christian who got invited because I never go to parties like Super Bowl. Right? Don't invite me to Super Bowl parties and movies. Right? And so here I am at the Super Bowl party, and there's some verbal atheists over here who are bashing commercials and bashing Christianity. I have introduced myself. They know I'm a Christian. I teach philosophy at a Christian school. So they're being verbal. I normally don't engage, but when they're being verbal and they're mocking Christianity, Alright, and so I, I couldn't hold myself back. Right before halftime, there was a Christian commercial that came out, and they mocked. So I'm like, okay, I grabbed my chips and salsa, halftime show is going on. I said, I got an idea. I said, okay, hey guys, can you tell me a little bit about what you believe? Because I'm hearing some of your comments. Oh yeah, you're the Christian from the Christian school. I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, okay, are, you guys, would you have a, are you religious at all? Oh, no, 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 no religion, no God, we're atheists. I said, so you sound like you're a materialist. Right, like I guess. So we had that conversation. I said, I got an idea. I just jumped right in. I got an idea for the second half of the Super Bowl. We'll do it through materialism. So, in the locker room, each team gets to decide their own rules. They can do whatever they want for the second half because they get to pick their own rules. Because isn't that nice? You do what you want. I do what I want. And you guys are basically saying that people can do what they want, and we'll all live happily ever after together. So we'll do that with the Super Bowl. Right, and so this team's gonna come out and like with knives, you're allowed to knife people and grab the ball, the and then what? The power yeah, there you go. Right, like you can do whatever you want. Each side can do whatever you want. What do you think they said? No, you can't. Like, actually, they said you're you're an idiot. I'm like, whoa, why am I an idiot? Like that's stupid. I said, wait, you're saying that's stupid? You're saying it's stupid that each group of people gets to pick their own morality and. and they're like, yeah. And like, well, wh why? Because then there's no football. The game would be dumb. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I said, okay. So what you're telling me is that what I just described in football is not good for football. Well, that's fine in real life. We can all just pick whatever we want. And, and I said, I'm going to get some more chips and salsa because was there any conversation? And I'm normally not like this and I don't recommend it, but did they have anything to say to that? Do they really believe in moral relativity? They, call, they themselves called it what? Stupid. They said it was stupid and that the game would not make sense. Well, what did they just say about their own morality about life, not just a game? Stupid and it doesn't make sense. It was their own language, right? And, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying on, chapter, on page four in chapter one, Lewis quickly deals with moral relativity. And how many people in college will say, well, I'm going to sleep around, and that's good for me, but that's not good for you. And I'm going to do this, and cheating is good for me, but not good for you. And we can all just kind of do whatever we want. And they think they believe in moral, relativi moral relativity. Do they really believe in moral relativity? Very rarely. Because when you give them a very simple example from a football game, they're going to call it what? Stupid. And by the way, what happens to the game? 
there is no more gain. There's no more gain, right? Now, we'll deal with this on Thursday. Chapter 2 talks about the fact, but wait, what if we all, the teams, agree to a set of rules? Okay, who still made up those rules? The players, so they could just change them if they wanted to, right? All right, hey, see you guys. Have a nice day. All right, come back on Thursday. Don't, by the way, don't do that at your Super Bowl party. I mean, you can if you want to, but it won't be very popular. Does that make sense? That was really fast. Does that work? Does that work? I know they don't do it that fast. Good question. They don't have any really. But why would they be actually? Yeah. I am home. Yeah. 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 So, can I just like have this conversation with you real quick? Like, as I was talking to, it's so, I don't know if I've told you this, like, because I have cousins, yeah. or I've told Ron or something, I'm fine with teachers because this is so interesting. Hey, so, like, see you guys. Are you going to stick around? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Quick question? Huh? Quick question, or? Uh, kind of. Um, I messaged you and asked if I could, I like took notes on paper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like... I'm going to walk around. I didn't do it today because my time was so tight. Okay. So on Thursday, I'm going to walk around the room and I'm going to look at everybody's annotations and notes. So oh, you're okay. good. So just hold but on to But I meant for like the online stuff. Yeah, just hold... Oh, the online stuff? On, that's fine. You, you can do it online or just show me. Either one. Okay. No problem. Okay. Yeah. Alright. So let me just present my situation. I feel bad for you on candidates. So many people are dead. <laughs> Did you see him? <laughs> it's cool. You should have seen last class. They're like, Jazz and Jeff were just out. Alright, alright. It is what it is. Okay, fine. I it, it had me for a second. Yeah, no, it's fine. I can tell you were true. Yeah. Peace. Have a good one. Take care. So, like, what's going on is, so, let me just explain everything. Do you have time? Like, I just need, like, do you need to run? I, I need to get home to support my wife. <laughs> With the kids. I yeah, do. it's not gonna take like more than like five minutes. Exactly. I got that. Alright. I should be home around three thirty. So you don't have to like leave right now. Okay. So like sometimes I do, but not today. So like I had my aunt This is why I'm here, by the way. Like this is why we do it. Perfect. So I have my aunt, my uncle, and then their two sons, and basically my aunt is like Christian like blazing guy, yeah. and then my uncle is the other is like an atheist and he wants the kids to like grow up and believe in anything he wants to show Thing on them, which is like, like really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, that's the thing, is like they just never went to it, and they're kinda of just like went with their dad and they're like, It's nice, like I don't have to believe in anything type of thing. Which ironically they're believing in something. Yeah, which is, yeah, I know. And I and that's why I don't like I don't have I've never had time to like really point out all this stuff. Yeah, which is fine. I don't wanna be like, You guys are so wrong in your ways and yeah. family and like I don't see them all the time yeah. either, so like, I didn't want to like, spend time. Well, yeah, your best option is to live like like what Jesus said. That's the best way And it's funny because I have cousins who are kinda of getting in trouble and stuff too and like I was like 
showing them the gospel to them, and then my other cousins over here are like, what the heck? Like, but they didn't like say anything, of course, because it's good to hear. Yeah. But like, basically, like the, the argument, I would say, wasn't we weren't yelling at each other or anything. Like, I was just kind of talking about like when this came up was like yeah. morality, because like morality is like the biggest thing yeah. for the arguments. For it really sides. is. Like, That's why Lewis jumps on. It. Yeah. It's a great starting point. That's why I wish I read this before. Oh, I have a chance. Yeah, and I'll see them again. Well, and hopefully even the handout helps solidify that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Is you can take them through the steps. Yeah. That's why I think I'd be that'd be fun to challenge them. Like, just like take a second, just like walk through this. What do you think? And where's the opposition? Which yeah. is why we'll spend 15 minutes, maybe 20 on Thursday. That first one about relativity is pretty simple. Like, really, guys? Yeah. They do what they want. Really? Yeah. Uh. And then they have that'll force them to get some type of objectivity, but they'll realize that if they shift objectivity to DNA or to just source of convention, that's not really objective. Yeah. It's still relative. It's maybe still a point. Which is the thing too, because like, and that's why they, because they know like they know deep down like good and bad because they do. Their dad and their their dad and their mom are like amazing people. Like they travel all over the world. They, they know. Do these like. Project to like help awesome. people and like yeah. they do teaching and stuff. See, like, and so for them, their moral behavior isn't the issue. Well, because then they're taking the belief on themselves that like the older brother like doesn't try college right now. He's just not making good decisions because like he's like, why do I need to do this? And he does it. If there's no God, he does it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the thing. So it's like it sucks. Yeah. And they're, like, wasting, they're wasting good money on him to go. They're wasting good money. He's wasting his life. It's yeah. Really, really sad. And he doesn't see the point. Like I'm saying, he's not like a he's not like a sad kid either. Like he's no. still enjoying. He's, he's enjoying himself in college As type of thing. See how long that lasts. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Is he's, he's gonna hit it sooner or later. Which is the argument is like within the younger brother is like he's a year younger than me, and he's just like. Yeah, like I believe in morality, like right or wrong, because I'm like, why? It's just, I'm like, why? It's kind of weird that your dad does so much good, and like he doesn't really believe. Because I've never talked to him about yeah. it. Because we're not even related. Yeah. So like, I would be weird. Yeah. But like, he's just, well, I mean, we're related, but like, not blood. Yeah, yeah. So he's just like, yeah, like he just believes it's the right thing to do. And it's funny too. Like, he like believes because like exactly. it's been passed down. Yeah. He's like, that's why like we look at babies and think they're like adorable because like that's how we help the human race survive and move on and stuff. And like I can see the point. It was like a good point because of like evolution from the evolutionary standpoint. But, but yeah, you're right because then it's like why? I guess the only thing is like why choose? But then that's what they're doing is they're choosing like my the older ones choose like like I don't want And I think you're gonna, the part that will be the issue, if you try to argue from within that, you're just gonna go around and around that's and around, what I'm around. That, You're like, not gonna go anywhere. They realize that, like, oh, I don't have to follow this, so, like, that's why he's, like, veering off the path. Exactly. So. They're, as strange as it sounds, there's a, they're aware of it. And here's the issue. They're aware of the moral consequences of this. And the moral consequences is, there's no abuse to this. I can do it, I can slack off, I can cheat, I can do whatever those types of things. There's natural consequences, and so that's why the moral thing only gets you so far. You see, what, what the argument right now that is just in this moral plane, right? If it's really relative, if it's really relative, then you have to take it to the extreme. Exactly, which is awkward in a conversation with your cousin. 
And so what you end up doing, I don't know if you're asking this, but what I end up doing with people like that is just love, 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 live well, love, joy, love, love, love. And then, as horrible as this sounds, when something really crappy happens, if you're loving and kind, where will they go to try and understand that? Because when not when you have evil to them personally enter their worldview, does the morality thing make any sense anymore? So once someone does something evil to them, or once something really yeah, bad happens like to them, there you go. Does the world start making any sense? Like, like if, yeah, now that love you too. If you if you want to use the rational argument, they have jumped off the train into moral relativity. Okay, right, they're not going to end up there. So they've jumped off of it, and they say they believe that. Probably really don't, but you're going to go around in circles unless you really want to. That's right. I think that's the thing is I got to take this and like really nail them down. Which you can if you if you try to engage them with that, that you're going to come across as probably an arrogant jerk. If they come and ask you, you have truth to offer them, which is powerful. So I found the moral argument in that scenario is probably not your best option. Um, what you do, though, is you wait until something evil happens to them, and do they want it to be relative anymore? Well, like, also, there's been a lot of like, bad deaths on, the, on that side, okay. too. And it hasn't happened to them. So what happens when you die, that? right? What happens when evil and sickness happens to you? Do you like that relativity anymore? No. People are dying. Is it really just them? Like, is that what life is? You live and then you just die? Like, these other, that's why there's seven big questions. Because when you isolate one, it can only take you so far. Once you start piecing some of these together in a relationship that's loving, who will they go to? when someone has really found some peace living the way that they live. They, they yeah, and I think it was good for them to see me, too. Yeah. Like, I definitely have a lot more together than a lot of my yeah. other family members. And you won't have it all together? Yeah. But you know what? Can you handle that? Mm -hmm. Can you handle sickness? Yeah. Can you handle these contradictions? Sure. Like, I can handle this stuff and live a life that's, that's relatively free, filled with peace and hope, and has joy in it. That's pretty compelling, especially when crap happens to you, and you still believe it, and you're still okay. Like, you're in pain, it hurts, but, like, I still have hope. I still have joy. What? What? Because for those other worldviews, if you're a Buddhist and things are hard, it's your fault, or it's karma. If you're an atheist, it doesn't make sense. What? Right? And if you're, well, if you're a dualist, that's like once you have to deal with actual evil and call it good, you're done. Yeah. Or, or you go in deeper and it's just not. And that's what I'm thinking too. The only uh, the other thing I'm thinking about is I'm kinda I've been on dropped the ball kinda, but my other cousins who I witnessed to who like believe it but like are very like very like bottom line like there's Jesus, I believe in him, like haven't yeah. looked at it at all. Yeah. But, like, Which made, is okay, at least they've got yeah, that. Like they've made like really bad decisions though because it's not a part of their life, but yeah. like I actually talked to them about it and they're yeah, I really want to change my life. Exactly. And I think, like, them changing would be huge for my other cousins. Because they'll start realizing this really is a better like, way to yeah, live. Yeah, like, it's really better. Because they look at them now, and they're like, they're hopeless. They're not going to change. Like, yeah. especially if you tell them this stupid story. Like, well, what you have is the difference. The difference, then, is 
people make these stupid decisions and abusing grace, but God still is going to save them because they've asked him to. And people who just make stupid decisions have to deal with the consequences that they've rejected a gift of salvation. It's like kind of crazy. Like I have, like it's funny because I have, I my dad is such a big family, so like I see like yeah. all of it. Yeah, that's why I've got a huge family, so I've seen this whole spectrum. That's part of it's, it's advantageous because it's now personal on all these different levels, right? Yeah, you like here's an example. Here's an example. My own brother wants to chuck Christianity, become a shaman. And I, I teach this stuff. Did I use Lewis? I used Lewis. I used the Great Divorce. I used Screwtape Letters. I went through all the philosophy. I did all the questions. Did any of that stick? Because he just wanted to do what he was going to do, and he did it. So I'm like, love you, bye. I'm here. And guess where he came to when it hit the fan? I think time also is one of the biggest things. Like, it's well, so hard to see in the moment. It really is. And that's where... But then I wish I could see you, like, during that time. Yeah, it was like, powerful. how you were thinking. It was powerful. Like, you gotta, it's, it's, at some point, it's just going to feel, like, hopeless. Like, my own brother is, like, falling away. Like, yeah, what the heck? Yeah. And so if you can live from heaven, a heavenly perspective, it really helps. And that's why we spent a month on Tolkien. Right? Tolkien, you look at Frodo at the beginning sure. and then Frodo at the end. And Frodo at the end is a mighty warrior. That's only 14 months. But it's because of all this very painful, hard, amazing, beautiful, all these things on this journey. Right? And so, if you could step back and be like, okay, relatives, they're all on journeys. My job is to love and help them continue their journey. And to be available on this journey, and, and to keep my that's journey. That's it. Sucks because I only see him like once every other year. Yeah, that's so that's hard. But there is something unique about blood. There really yeah. is. There is something, and there's something about praying, and there's something about being available to them, and then also who's yeah. around me. Who, where's my family right here? You know. Because we are all growing up in like the same like age radius. Yeah. So it's kind of. Well, if you think about it, in 20 years, who knows where they'll be? Where will they be coming? Who's exactly. going to get sick? And so when one of them gets sick. Could you be a love, like at least lovingly send a note, and not like smash Jesus down their face, yeah, right? Don't want to be rude, but also just say, hey, I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of you. Yeah, even that's like dying. Like what? You're actually thinking of me, and we haven't talked in 20 years. Yeah, I am. I'm thinking of you. It must be really hard. <laughs> you want to talk? If you want to talk, I'm available. Because it's yeah, I think it's because like when the, everyone's like beginning to hit their low points, because there's been a lot. So like and for like those one cousins like that one group like they already hit like the like drugs like all that yeah. stuff like yeah, they like been like freaking San Antonio like ran the border yeah, Texas yeah. and Mexico so it's like and they cause like the yeah but everyone appears they're surrounded by are doing all these crazy terrible things right and it's interesting then too is you get to wait and almost in some respects watch people hit bottom but isn't it amazing when you actually just look at the gospels who flock to Jesus. Yeah, we're all those. All the mangled, hopeless people. And now you can see why. And did Jesus run around bashing and condemning? And he says, I'm here. Uh, they would literally crawl to him. You know what I mean? So, quick question or thought or over in the middle of a combo or. Hi. Hi. I was just seeing if you saw the thing we were already. I didn't get to see it. Is it good? Uh, let me know. If you can let me know, because for me it's a huge commitment and sacrifice to go experience that, but if it's worth it, I'll go. Well, okay. And I saw the Hamlet, the Globe Hamlet that came. No, how is it? Across the heart. It was terrible. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Uh, okay. 
All right. Thanks. And I went to the Globe this summer. Hey, how's well, that? Oh, cool. Peace. I'd love to say hi to you. Yeah, come on if you want to. Yeah. Are we good? I got stuff to work on right. too. It was just good. I just like hearing what you guys say. Yeah, and, and so part of it is like lean in when you can. Be really loving. Don't bad. be rude. Just keep doing, keep doing what you're doing and, and then be available. Be loving in those hard moments and you'll, you'll be amazed how God uses that. And how it really ends up being exciting because one a famous pastor said, if if they don't have a problem, you don't have a solution. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, like, does that make sense? And when they have a problem, it just sucks though. Yeah. Like they all gotta hit that point. Yeah, you don't want to create a problem, but then no. right, God will take care of that. And th this is where you can start seeing why God allows things in people's lives, yeah, right? Hey, how's it going? All right. <laughs> Right, so yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you. All right, peace. I'll head out. Take care. Shake number three. Yeah. All right. Just give me one sec. Uh, I'm trying to. Oh, my computer.